Hello, everyone. Welcome to Talking Logistics, where we have conversations with thought leaders and newsmakers in the supply chain logistics industry. It's my great pleasure to welcome today's program, Steve Barber, who's Senior Vice President of Platform at Transplace. And today we're going to talk about how logistics technology helps shippers overcome challenges. Now, there's never a dull moment for transportation professionals, whether it's uh, you know, finding capacity, managing, managing costs, meeting more stringent customer requirements, or creating a more resilient network. The list of challenges is long. But fortunately, you know, continued innovations in technology is helping shippers keep pace with the changes in the market as well as changes in customer requirements. So how is technology making a difference and which capabilities are the most important? Well, those are some of the questions we're going to discuss in today's episode. And it's great to have Steve on the program to share his insights and advice on this topic. So Steve, welcome to the program. Great to be back. Thanks, Adrian. Yeah, always a pleasure having you. And, um, you know, let, let, let's, before we kind of dive into the technology side of things, um, you know, we're kind of approaching the end of the first quarter here of 2021. It's, it's, it's amazing how quickly <laughs> time has, has flown by. But, but let's start with kind of what, what are shippers, you know, the challenges that shippers are facing right now. I mean, what are you hearing from them and what, what areas are they looking for help? Yeah, particularly in, I think it's a great question. And, and the, the first quarter has been uh, exciting. I think everybody was, was hoping for, um, you know, the end of 2020 to bring some, some time to relax and take a breath. And that, that has not happened. Um, you know, I think that what we're really seeing is uh, ongoing uh, capacity battle, particularly ground transportation. But I mean, we're seeing it across the board. Uh, global transportation is, is highly constrained. I think we saw this kind of elastic uh, move where, um, you know, everybody kind of stopped for a little while and then, and then the catch up has just continued. Um, and increased demand uh, and, a, and, and really a decrease in supply is, is creating constraints all over the place. So that capacity uh, need is probably number one at the top of most folks list. Uh, increased service uh, demands for our customers' customers is also um, a, a huge, um, it's, a, it's a huge, um, uh, problem. Um, you know, it's, it's creating consternation, I think, across the board for most shippers or continues to. And that's not a new problem, but that, that, that capacity shortage continues to drive that need for, um, uh, for higher uh, service um, shipments and higher service demand. And, and shippers are looking for ways to mitigate that risk of, of service delays or cost delays. Um, you know, cost management, Obviously, when there's a shortage of capacity, it becomes a real problem. Um, you've got to be able to control cost and, and maintain your budget. And right now, that's that's becoming really challenging for shippers. So those are the, you know, uh, capacity, which leads to service and cost problems, are probably the big stories um, that have continued in 2021 more than more than anything else. I mean, it, it became a real challenge at the end of 2020, and it's just continued to roll through. Yeah, you know, like I said, you know, the, the the list is long, and you're right. I think a lot of folks were hoping that, you know, particularly after the holiday season, you know, you could just yeah. take like in normal times, you would just take a, there's, there's a little bit of a break, and you can, you know, catch up. But you're right. I mean, you know, the capacity side of things, in particular, not only on the truckload or the road side of things, but even on ocean transportation, you're seeing what's happening with the with the docks. You're see, you're seeing what ha what's happening with container availability and, and so forth. So it's really on multiple uh, on multiple levels. Um, but, but let's talk with capacity since that is the, you know, kind of the top issue right now. I mean, what new approaches are, are helping shippers find the capacity that they need and, and how is technology driving innovation in that area? Yeah, it's a, 
I, th I think it's really fascinating when you look at the, the analog world of transportation, trying to connect with the digital world of, of everybody else. Um, you know, the, the fundamentals, and, and we'll talk mainly, you know, about truck transportation and ground transportation, because I think that's where most of our customers are, are impacted right now. There's obviously a, a ton going on in the international space as well. But on the, on the, on the truck and ground transportation side, you, at the end of the day, you've still got a driver um, and a vehicle that have to be coordinated and, and, you know, they have to be able to find the freight and the freight has to be matched to the drivers in order to, to make all that work. And, and so the, the analog piece of an individual sitting at the end of the chain um, still has to connect to the digital world of where all the freight is. And so we're, we're a lot of these and, and we'll, you know, we can talk about platforms and, um, you know, digitization and digital brokerages and other pieces, but what it all boils down to is how do you find an efficient way to match a truck and a driver to a load of freight that exists. And, and while there's tons of technology that's helping that happen, there's also, there's also a fair amount of, of um, adoption that still has to occur for that to be really effective. And, and we think that's where some of the, you know, some of the, the, the more things change, the more they remain the same kind of takes place, right? That, that you still need a, a large scalable solution in order to find the, the, the trucks that are really gonna be available. We're also finding that, um, that, that the contract process and the ability to find carriers that are going to provide capacity that will be there for you when you need them and the ability to efficiently match a carrier's network to a shipper's network, not those individual loads, also becomes really important. So those uh, procurement tools, bidding tools, and, and kind of carrier management tools uh, are also critical from a, a technology standpoint in managing your overall workflow. You know, 80 to 85% of your freight it moves on a contract carrier for most shippers. Um, and that, you know, the 15% is what causes a lot of the consternation and pain, but the 80 to 85%, if it's not clicking and fairly consistent, you're gonna run into problems. You've gotta have the tools to manage that 85% very effectively in an efficient way. So you can you can focus on managing your cost and mitigating your risk on the other 15. You know, you brought up a, lot, a couple of great things there. One is, you know, I, I, I like how you said, you know, it goes beyond just, okay, let, let's match you know, capacity with demand on a, on a load by load, you know, basis. And that's, that's important, but it's also, you know, let's match shipper, a shipper network with the carrier networks. Right. So that's, that's where you get into the more strategic side of things and the that's more, right. you know, procurement side of things. So I think keeping, you know, understanding that it's th those two things are, are, are important. Um, I think, you know, a lot of the capacity things, I mean, we've done a lot of research here and I think it's, it, you, you mentioned, you know, the more things change, the more things stay the same. You know, I think there's a recognition that there is still a lot of waste out there, even though that, um, you know, there may be a shortage of drivers, there may be a shortage of containers and so forth. You know, the, the reality is that, you know, in this, when you look at it from a systems standpoint, there's still a lot of, you know, waste out there in terms of inefficiencies, in terms of uh, underutilization of, of some of those assets, some of those sure. drivers and so forth. So it's really trying to, you know, uh, you know leverage that as much as possible. And I think, you know, when you look at that mix between contract and, and spot, I mean, I think some of the symptoms today of some of those inefficiencies and, and not thinking differently is you're seeing kind of that, what used to be 15, 20% has grown to be, you know, 20, 25, 30% today as shippers and carriers are trying to figure out, you know, it's almost as this bullwhip effect, you know, has spilled over onto the transportation side. And what used to be the normal 80, 20 split, you know, is now, you know, 70, 60, 40 split, right? Yeah, we're not, we're not seeing the 60, 40, you know, in some customer networks, 75, 25, 
some kind of worst case scenario, 70, 30, but they correct, right? That doesn't last forever either. If the, if we're having fallout on the route guides, then the able, the ability to go efficiently to the market and correct that and find contract rates, even if, even if the contract pricing is and contracts have risen, you know, as, as spot market increases, contract prices increase, and eventually they're going to find that, that balance um, eventually. The, um, and, and so what we're finding is that there are periods of time where you have to be very effective and efficient in the spot marketplace in order to, to mitigate, you know, that 10 to 15% potential. But you also have to be really quick to, to find replacements and not live in the spot market and not live in that place where you're finding one truck for one load every day. You're, you're, you're eventually going to get to a place where that's an untenable solution and the risk are going to come too high to your supply chain. You've got to be able to manage that. We have seen some customers uh, and we're, we're having lots of conversations with folks about um, dynamic route guides or, you know, move into a more dynamic solution for, for even route guide freight. We think there's great opportunity there for uh, low volume lanes, for a portion of the business, for pieces that don't make sense to have committed capacity. But again, still a small portion of the, of the overall volume of a, of a network that's moving for a, for a shipper. Yeah, no, great, great point. I think the, the, the key thing, and you mentioned it before, and certainly like, uh, this is where technology comes in is you know having the data the visibility the the analytics to recognize when you are moving away from normal if you will or, or, right. or a sustainable you know environment and then you know quickly identifying those lanes those carriers the, the, those situations so you can you know rectify them with you know uh, whether it's doing a mini bid or whether it's you know just having a conversation with the carriers to understand what what's happening yeah we are um we are seeing um where that platform approach, you know, the daily and hourly even analytics of, you know, what's my route guide acceptance? What's my primary tender acceptance? What's my percent between spot and contract? Um, if, am I having problems with a particular lane or a particular carrier? Is it a trailer problem or a container problem or a true capacity problem? You know, we're seeing situations too where warehouses are constrained. And so we're also running into problems where carrier fallouts occurring because we're not getting trailers unloaded or we're not getting trailers loaded in a timely fashion. So there's backups and delays you know, carriers can be a little more selective about what freight they're hauling down. So that shipper choice conversation also comes into play. We've got to be able to measure that and you've got to have the data to be able to do it. A transportation management system coupled with a solid um, data analytics platform and data science methodology um, really becomes critical to, ma to making those decisions on a day in and day out basis. And it does, you know, to get, you know, what I said before, you can't live in that 65, 35, 70, 30 world for very long. And so making a quick decision about, do I need to take action here, supported by some machine learning and data analytics is really critical and important. And, and that's where some technology is starting to come into play that it's not necessarily that different decisions are being made, it's that the decisions are able to be made faster to minimize the impact that it has overall to both service and cost for a shipper. Right, right. Yeah, no, certainly a lot, lot going on there. And you know, I think the other thing that kind of ties into all of this, which is kind of the, the next area I think that a lot of shippers are focused on, particularly after 2020 and what happened with the pandemic is, you know, risk management and, and supply chain resilience have become, you know, bigger priorities. I mean, how is technology helping companies move up kind of the maturity curve in those areas in terms of, you know, you know, minimizing the risk and becoming more resilient? Yeah, I think that um, what I've heard said about the the situation in 2020 with the, with the, the COVID and the, and the problems that we've had with the pandemic is that um, what it really did is it, is it accelerated that, that technology adoption curve, right? That there were folks that were thinking, oh, we've got a three to five year plan to put some of these things in place. And, and they really, they, they moved that into a three to five month plan in some cases, you know, really, 
you know, outside of transportation, really obvious in the telecom world, right? I mean, this, this, uh, you know, you and I, have, I think, primarily spoken via Zoom, you know, in our in our in our history and in our past. You met in person a few times, but um, for the most of the world, that's not normal. Well, now it is, and everybody had to make adjustments very quickly. Well, same thing happened in transportation. Um, we had to figure out how to communicate with drivers effectively with a, with, in, a in a low touch solution. Um, we had to figure out how to. Um, how, to, how to manage our relationships and conversations with carriers and keep them committed to freight, even when uh, a warehouse or a lane was, was having a problem. And, and that, that ability to mitigate risk um, and, and the technology application there, again, is about how quickly can I move? Can I make decisions faster? And can I, can I make them with better informed data? And so things like machine learning and data science, the ability to train up a model quickly and take advantage of some of the uh, the tools that are available in the space became um, a must-have instead of a nice-to-have in the very short term over the course of the last year. The ability to, to capture data from multiple sources um, instead of just relying on my own payables data, for example, to go out and leverage a network um, and leverage that network of data that's available to figure out, am I, am I better or worse? Um, when you're running so quickly, we went through this cycle, um, the, the capacity and, and the supply and demand cycles that typically would take years happened over a period of months last year. It was really, I think the data scientists are going to be losing their minds for a number of years now. But, but what, we, what we really saw was that you had to be able to, to effectively measure yourself, not just against prior benchmarks, because last year's data meant almost nothing. I mean, if, if I was looking at 2020 versus 2019, it was, it was, it was, it was, it, it was meaningless. So you had to be able to say, how am I compete? How am I comparing to the market? Not just for cost, right? Lots of cost indicators out there that have seven-day, ten-day, fourteen-day leads, thirty-day leads. But yesterday, how was my primary tender acceptance? Last week, how was my um, how was my care? How was my on-time service? And how was it compared not to myself necessarily, but to my peers? Is it a, is this a macro problem or is it a micro problem? Is it something that's happening just in my network and I need to take action? Or is it something that's happening in the larger network and I need to do something slightly different because of that? Is that yeah, I think not, that's really what we've seen more than anything else is that ability to leverage a pool of data, not just your own data network and, and make decisions based on that. Yeah, and no, I, I agree. I mean, I think what, you know, going back to what we were talking about 80-20, right? That, that rule applies to so many things. And, and you yeah. know, historically for a lot of companies, it was like, hey, you know what? You know, if we have... Uh, uh, you know, it's the 80-20 rule with, with visibility, right? You know, we, we've got, you know, 20%, we're connected or have visibility to 20% of our suppliers, our carriers that provide us with 80% of those transactions. But, you know, in situations like we are in today and moving forward, not only because of the pandemic, but just because of, again, more stringent customer requirements, more com competition, so on and so forth. You know, it's those white spaces, those black holes that come to bite you and, and they, they, took out a big chunk or they were really painful bites, you know, last year. And as, as you said, so they kind of this mad rush now to kind of, you know, uh, address those blind spots uh, and those visibility blind spots um, with, with data information analytics. So again, be more proactive as opposed to reactive. I mean, that's what we've heard a lot of the, from, from the shippers that we talked to that became the number one priority is that we can't be reactive anymore because by the time we react, you know, we're already way behind. We have to be able to have enough data and information and insight and be able to communicate and collaborate with almost 100% if, if we can get there of our trading partners in order to you know, keep, keep pace with what's going on. Yeah, the visibility conversation, um, 
really started taking off several years ago. So it wasn't it wasn't fully a pandemic impact, but that whether you call it an Amazon effect or just that idea of I want to know where my stuff is. And, and then then you start to, to dig a little deeper and say, OK, why do you want to know where your stuff is? Why is it important to know um, every 15 minutes or every hour what's happening with a truck or what's happening with a load of freight? And then how do I tie all of that back together? How do I take that that um, that that location and, and timestamp, which is really what you're talking about when you talk about visibility, right? Where's the blue dot? Um, and how do I tie that back to a dynamic ETA? How do I how do I factor in risk factors like weather, traffic, um, uh, the the length of haul of a shipment, the transit time that's available, both both um, positive transit, you know, extra transit time and shortened transit time. As you're looking at a shipment of freight, how can a shipper make changes proactively to the way they operate their network based on the learnings of that visibility? So stuff like um, one example I'll give you is we, we had a customer that said, um, I've got these loads to deliver in late consistently, consistently deliver in late. Let's let's look at let's look at the visibility and the tracking that's that we've been getting and the and the additional data that we're getting into this platform um, through the TMS and through our, our visibility partnerships. And they started looking at it and they said, okay, so I'm I'm booking this load on a on a Thursday for a Friday pickup for delivery on Monday. Um, and it's 640 miles. Um, and basically what was happening is drivers were getting those loads, the carriers were using them, and you could see it in the tracking that they were using it and it was stopping for an extended period of time, typically near a driver's home or, or a terminal, um, and not being repowered in a timely manner on, on Sunday to make delivery on Monday. And so they were being scheduled for delivery early on Monday morning. They were picking up on a, on a Friday afternoon. They shifted that lane to pick up on a Wednesday and deliver on a Friday and improve their on-time performance by five points. Five percentage point improvement in on-time delivery for that lane by not having it transit over the weekend. And they did that by looking at the visibility and all the other data that they had available to them to, to, to root cause and then be proactive about how they were going to change their order patterns. They had to work with their customer on the day that it actually got ordered and their expected delivery date, but they did it without increasing inventory and they improved their lead time. So it's a, it was a it was that's a great example of how they can take that data and then use it to mitigate in a proactive way. Yeah, no, great, great example. It's another great example too of you know, uh, you know, visibility is such a you know buzz term, and you know, for, for the twenty two plus years that I've been an industry analyst, you know, we, we've always been talking about visibility. Oh yeah. But you actually have to do something with that visibility. Right. You have to actually do something with that data. So I think it's a good example of hey, you know, hey, well, now we've got this data, we've got these insights. Let's truly analyze it. Let's get some. A, you know, root cause analysis here. And now let's take some action, right? So let's work with shifting the pickup date, like you said, let's work with our customer to make that happen. And it becomes a win, win, win all around, you know, yeah. when, when, when you take some action off of those, those insights. Um, you, you know, you mentioned it early on, you said, well, you know, we've got the pandemic, we've got the capacity constraints. Um, and, but these things are just layered on top of what you know, transportation professionals always have to deal with, which is, right. you know, managing costs and making sure that they're as productive as possible. Um, you, you know, so, so those things, you know, are an area that, again, technology is perfectly, you, you know, aligned for, because that's, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you have to show some cost and some cost benefit, you know, to invest in any kind of technology. You know, how, what's the focus today with technology to improve cost management and to improve productivity? Yeah, I think it's a it's a great question. You know, Transplace is a continuous improvement company. I mean, that's that's what we do. We've invested in Lean Six Sigma. We've invested in you know our uh, value improvement programs with our customers. I mean, it's it's what we try to find, and, and technology is another kind of extension of that from an operational standpoint. As we look at it, 
as we're thinking about efficiency improvement and cost improvement, it's really about trying to, to leverage that network that we have in place today um, to the benefit of our carriers and our customers. What, what Transplace wants to find is win-win opportunities where I can tie a carrier and a shipper together and they can both benefit. Uh, carrier reduces their empty miles, increases their efficiency, increases their loaded miles. Shipper is able to, to get committed capacity with good on-time service at a reasonable cost compared to market. Um, you know, our investments in, in companies like Lane Hub with the collaborative shipping network where um, we're tying private fleets and shippers together to eliminate empty backhaul miles for those private and dedicated fleets. And we're allowing shippers to collaborate directly and figure out how to, how to match carrier lanes up for shipping and pricing. Um, our ability to reach out to multiple carriers on uh, both um, spot and contract freight to find, to, to give those carriers an opportunity to find the, the fits in their network. You know, that's not a new story. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of folks talking about those digital freight networks or digital platforms. The difference is we've got $11 billion that is already under management and are you moving through our system? We've got 25 to 30,000 carriers that are daily interacting with that freight. The scale plus the technology is a big, is a big part of that equation for efficiency and cost improvement. And, and you know, not as a transplace commercial, but just the idea is a shipper is out looking for who am I gonna work with? Who am I gonna partner with to find those opportunities? Find somebody that's got both. They've got a, a technology continuous improvement where they're looking at the best in class and leading edge and cutting edge technologies, but they've, are, they've already also got a developed network that they're working with of shippers and carriers that you're gonna be able to collaborate with, that you're gonna be able to work with and find those opportunities that you, maybe you're not able to find on your own. Yeah, it's a great point. You know, I've, I've done some research um, and writings over the past couple of years about the power of the network or the, oh, yeah. the network effects, right? So there's a lot of literature out there and examples of, of network effects, right? It, you know, most of us are familiar with on the social media side, right? LinkedIn, right. Facebook, you know, those are all things that are, you know, demonstrate the power of the network effect. And, you know, that translates well into, you know, when you talk about logistics platforms and logistics networks and number of trading partners that I connected to it and the kind of things that you're able to do when you reach a critical mass of participants and, and scale and scope and, and, and so forth. Um, and, and that brings me to my next question. I mean, it, you know, so I've been talking about networks. You've been talking about networks as well. Um, there's a lot of discussion today. It seems like whenever people talk about technology, they're talking about platforms, right? I mean, how do you define a logistics technology platform and, and what capabilities should, you know, shippers look for in a partner's technology platform? Yeah, it's, it's in my title. I ought to be able to talk about it, right? Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the platform, man, it's getting overused, right? It's starting to become kind of this, everybody's got a platform. Everybody's got a platform. I think that, that it goes back to what I mentioned before, that, that the platform is about the technology that's available. And it's a, it's, it's a, um, it's a, a joining of technologies. It's an it's a aggregating of technologies that happen, right? I, I need... I need a platform to have to provide visibility, to provide scale, to provide uh, efficiency, to provide you know, a, a, a data lake and data instance and, and analytics and machine learning. I need all of that in kind of a single place. And then I need the scale of the network to connect to that platform, to really turn it into something that's not just a standalone technology, right? That does become this, this platform where I can, I can collaborate, I can, um, I can find efficiency for my network and I can work for the benefit of kind of the common uh, good. And, and that's not, you know, everybody benefits and that's why they participate. Um, it's, it's not just a, 
know, we talk about networks and platforms, and I think they're pretty interrelated uh, for it to be a successful one. I, I think that there are lots of folks that could design a conceptual platform where, you know, carriers and shippers could come together and, and, and benefit. But to move from concept to reality requires some participants. And you have to have both in order to have a really effective platform. It's that technology aggregation, right? Bringing, bringing multiple technology applications into a single place that, that can be connected to by multiple parties um, for everybody to work together and collaborate. Hopefully, uh, hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, again, going back to the, the social media analog, you know, right. I, I think that, you know, you, you, the first thing, and I think the hardest thing is building that network, right? And building that connectivity of trading partners, that community of trading partners. But then I view the platform almost, and I've called this now for almost 20 years, I've called it an operating system. It's almost like the operating system that sits on top of, you know, all those network participants to then help facilitate the workflows that exist between all those parties and help all the participants on that network communicate and collaborate in a much more scalable and efficient manner than if each of them try to do it all on their own or try to connect all of them their own. As you know, you work with some very large companies, right? You know, back in the old days, you know, you would have, you know, these companies would have to build thousands of individual one-to-one EDI connections, right? right? And as those relationships change, that was an ongoing you know, challenge and, you know, much like the way we connect once to Facebook or once to LinkedIn, and we've got access to this whole community, you know, that's the way I view it as you connect once to a platform, a logistics platform, and not only do you have access to, you know, all the different trading partners that you work with or could potentially work with, but also have access to the technology that resides on top of that to help you, you know, execute, you know, transactions and and business processes. Yeah, I think, I think that's right. I think that the key there is that, in, in my in my maybe maybe limited definition, um, it can't be a one trick pony though, and still be a platform, right? There are there are, Europe is a is an area that we're expanding into and, and have uh, boots on the ground, and we're open for business in Europe. And in Europe, the the idea of a um, a trans a, a transportation provider integrator is very common, right? And it, different than the U.S. You're right in the U.S. Um, every shipper would connect to every carrier. You had lots of these many-to-many conversations that were happening. And in Europe, they, early on, there were companies that stood up and said, hey, I'd like to be a, a, your, your um, it, essentially a van, right? But a value-added network, truly value-added network. Um, if that's all they do, I'm not sure that's a platform. I think they're an integrator, right? Uh, as, a, as a technology aggregator, the ability to bring multiple um, benefits. And it's really about that value that you get from being a part of the platform that is the reason that you come. And I think, you know, go back to the social, uh, the social networking piece. Um, I keep up with my family, but I also shop <laughs> and buy and buy goods now. And, um, and, and if you really dig into it, the, the availability of what that network opens um, and what that platform opens to me as an individual and my ability to benefit others and myself by participating, that starts to define it. Am I bringing, am I bringing multiple pieces to the puzzle, that ability to collaborate from a shipping standpoint, visibility, um, service prediction, and the ability to mitigate risk in my supply chain, data analytics and, and analysis, and, and even capacity and the ability to go to market efficiently and get, and get the right cost for those shipments that I need to move. All that becomes... I think critical to the definition of a platform, particularly if we're going to kind of raise the bar on what people get to get to say a platform is. Yeah, no, great, great. I, I, I agree. 
Uh, well, Steve, you know, we've covered a, a lot of ground. So maybe as a way to wrap up, I mean, what's next? I mean, how will technology continue to, you know, change and improve the way companies manage their logistics operations? So I think that the, the true impact of data and the availability of data is just starting to become um, impactful to the business, right? Like what is what, what really is going to be usable in the data that we're able to, to gather? We are, I'll tell you that our the number of transactions that we process through our transportation management system is, is, is has gone up by about tenfold in just two or three years and will likely continue to kind of exponentially grow over time. All of that data that's being being aggregated in a single application, now what, what am I going to be able to do with it? And that, that's where the machine learning and the data science really is going to start to come into play. I think that, that what we're going to start to see is a, a real maturity of the what we're capable of doing. Right now, people are thinking, how do I predict how much it's going to cost to ship a load of freight? What, you know, what's it going to take? You know, how much am I going to be able to? Can I can I predict if a load's going to be late? Can I mitigate that risk of a, of a single shipment being late? I think we're going to start to see machine learning and and you know potentially some AI. I don't. I think machine learning is probably more realistic, but we're going to start to see that applied at a at a larger scale, where we're now going to be able to to accurately forecast what happens and start to sandbox things inside of those those data models. I also think that optimization and collaboration. Are going, to, are going to be key and critical over the next coming years. Um, you know, the ability for shippers to work together efficiently and effectively and to remove some of these barriers that have kept them from working together and remove some of that waste. I mean, that right now, you know, I think that the number one problem we've got from a capacity standpoint, if you look at all of the, of the facts and figures, is that, that there's still a lot of sailboat fuel that's, that's moving around the country on a regular basis, whether it's through half-full trucks um, or through empty miles that are being driven by those trucks. And if, if we're shipping air... That's an inefficient process. And, and all of that is, is an opportunity for efficiency. And I think the last one, uh, it, it, the, um, and, and this doesn't have anything to do with anything I'm working on. I just think it's cool. But I think that the, the, the assisted and, and driverless uh, capacity uh, is going to become really, really important for folks to keep an eye on over the next several years. I've been saying that. Uh, I, was a, I really believe to be happening sooner than now. I think that um, there's been lots of things that have kind of slowed that process. But I think we're, we're at the best point we've ever been in that world. And I think that we're going to start seeing that happen more and more, uh, particularly in the long hauls, um, in, the, in the ability to move freight long, longer distances with less interaction and less delay. Uh, better consistent uh, capacity is going to be really the key. Yeah, well, you know, uh, a lot of uh, food for thought there and a lot of great insights there, Steve. Uh, I think that, you know, I think you're right. I think the best is yet to come. I think that you know, if, if we were to meet in three years time, we would be amazed by the things that are going to be happening in three years time that we probably can't even imagine, you know, right, right now. I, yeah, um, I, I certainly wouldn't have believed that we were going to be landing rockets back on the pad they took off from um, five years ago. You know, there's there's stuff like that that I think feels like science fiction that, that um, in the next five years, we're going to see some really good improvement because we are. We're just at the beginnings of, I think, for most of the transportation and that digitization process. Yeah, you're right. And I, and I think part of the reason is that we have to, because I think That's the right. way the, um, I think it's clear that unless we continue to put the foot to the pedal on innovation in this area, um, it's going to be very difficult for industries, virtually all industries, to keep pace with just uh, consumer demands, expectations, and 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 the like. So. Um, again, Steve, 
uh, I think we, we'll, we'll certainly should, you know, make a plan to maybe touch base. You know, certainly we don't have to wait three years, but certainly I'd love to touch base down the road again to see how much progress we've made on some of these fronts. But uh, until then, again, thank you for making the time to be with us today. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me again, Adrian. Have a great, have a great rest of the day. Great. I want to thank those of you that joined us. Uh, if you're watching this episode on demand, either at the TransPlace website or on Talking Logistics, and you've got a question or a comment for Steve, you can post it there. And I'm sure he'll be more than happy to respond via that medium. Again, thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you in a future episode of Talking Logistics. Have a great day.